And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And happy Friday to everybody. Hopefully you're going to have a great weekend. Hopefully uh, your week hasn't been too rough on you. Hey, joining us on the line is a buddy of mine. Haven't talked to him on the show in quite a while. Lucas Miles. Lucas, how you doing, bud? Casey, I am doing fabulous. As you know, big fan and uh, always, always good to talk to you. You've had a good couple of years, dude. You really have. Your your uh, your whole your whole project. Uh, well, how how do I say your industry, your market, your your brand, whatever your brand is, really grown the past couple of years. I've been watching what you're doing with it. You're doing a great job. I really appreciate that. You know, it's not uh, it's not probably typical for somebody to see somebody who is a pastor, um, you know, and an author also be a filmmaker and and work in the business world as well, but. Um, man, God's just opened up some doors in that space, and, and we're enjoying it. Well, I appreciate it. And Lucas Miles is a conservative pastor. He's an author. He's, he's making movies. He's got a new book out. And it's called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. Now, you if I mean, you've listened to me for a long time. You, you know, this is something that I have talked about before. Uh, goal number 27 of the 45 communist goals, infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion and discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. And your book addresses that very same thing. Tell us about it. It's exactly right. I mean, look, the left knows that they, in order to win elections, they have to divide the church and the religious vote. Um, you know, as long as people hang on to a biblical worldview, as long as they hang on to some sort of historic view of Christianity, uh, that is always going to undermine the agendas of the left. Things like progressive views of marriage, sexuality, uh, you know, gender, uh, culture, race, etc. All of those things are really leveled with a true understanding of, of, of the Bible. And so the left has to come in and disrupt that if they want to continue to stay in power and, and really deceive the masses. And so I wrote this book to really address this rising, uh, what I call the Christian left, this growing constituency of Christians and oftentimes so-called Christians who have been impacted by leftist thought, progressive ideology, and oftentimes Marxist theory. Now, when you are looking in your in your book and you're addressing this thing, obviously one of the things we run into quite a bit are these uh, these new churches, which are designed to be slick. You know, they're designed to, and I'm not talking about just churches who worship big and have you know concerts and things like that, but ones that are designed specifically where around the Bible says to be a socialist, the Bible says to be a Marxist, and in this thought is really started to take root in large swaths of of American Christianity. Like how? What is a defense for that? Like, how do people get out of that that mindset and get back to the roots of what what the Bible actually teaches? You know, great point. And you know, I have a lot of people ask me about this book. They'll say things like, "Oh, the Christian left is that like Joel Osteen?" And you know, I think that first of all, I've met Joel. He's a really nice guy. I think that he does great work in the space that he's in. Um, and there's probably fair accusations to call certain ministries maybe Christian light. Uh, that is just sort of a um, you know, it's a positive message. They talk about Jesus. That doesn't necessarily make somebody a leftist, and most of the time that they're not a leftist in that situation. They're just, not, they're just choosing to not, you know, kind of hit these hardline issues uh, and, and really make their ministry all about that. What we're seeing, and exactly what you mentioned, is we're seeing churches that are actually doubling down on introducing Marxist thought into the church. And it's really rebranded in many cases as what's called the social justice gospel. And all that is, 
is it was you know originally called the liberation uh, liberation theology. It's a Marxist uh, sort of Catholic uh, blend, and that was introduced into the U.S. and really worked its way into the evangelical church and and uh, certain other denominations. And now we're seeing churches that are you know they're flying gay pride flags, they're flying BLM you know of the organization you know flags, and really supporting things that are rooted in socialism. Now it doesn't take anybody who really knows scripture well very long to sit there and lay out you know Jesus was not a socialist. There's actually more evidence to show that Jesus was actually kind of probably rather wealthy, and that's how he was able to you know really take time off to do the ministry that he did. Uh, he had all sorts of kings bring him, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so much so that the the, the king of that land, it, they had so much that they were transporting to him. The king of the land heard that they were in town. Uh, a little bitty jar of, uh, of myrrh does not get that kind of attention uh, from the king. So, you know, but with that said, like, you know, Jesus taught personal, not only personal responsibility, he taught personal stewardship. Personal stewardship is not a, is not a framework of socialism. It's not allowed uh, you don't even have the choice to be able to decide what you're going to do. The government will redistribute your wealth for you, not something that you get to choose. Socialism is completely against a scriptural understanding. So did did these types of churches, did they become so influential? Were they able to get people into their pews because the folks that were coming in weren't really Christian, didn't have a place to go? Or were they able to actually flip and convert people who have been in a traditional Christian environment? And if that happened, how did they do that? So I think there's two things that are happening here. So first off, um, there has been sort of a leftist constituency within uh, more academic circles of the church for a long time. I was in Germany 20 years ago talking with people there, and there were um, uh, theologians and, and Bible college professors who were boasting that we're going to make you an atheist by the time you leave our seminary. And, you know, they were teaching, um, you know, uh, Scripture really as a, as a study, but not something of faith, and they weren't even believers themselves. And so that eventually went from the professor to the pastor and then into the pews. You know, the second issue I, I think that has happened in this is that, you know, we are coming off of really um, what is known as the seeker-sensitive movement, which just exploded in the U.S., you know, a couple decades ago. And we have a lot of churches that have really done well and reached a lot of people using the seeker-sensitive model, you know, highly evangelistic. And the problem, though, although these are, you know, typically great people involved with this movement, the problem is, is that they really decrease the amount of teaching and scripture and discipleship that happens there. Uh, and so over time, you know, it's kind of, I, I compare this to genetically engineered fruit, you know, uh, I'd rather eat a genetically engineered orange because it doesn't have the seeds in it, it's clean, it's not messy, it's not dripping all over you while you're in the car trying to eat it. But the problem is it can't, you can't plant it and grow anything else on the other side of it. And so it can only support one generation. And this is what happened in the church. We had this whole generation of Christians that weren't discipled. They weren't taught anything about Christian ethics or morality or, or biblical history or the lordship of Jesus, really in a way that they could defend their faith. And so when new ideas began, you know, really being pushed from the left, it was very easy for progressives to kind of win over uh, these, these uh, um, undiscipled, you know, Christians and pull them into, you know, well, that kind of sounds good to me. That sounds loving, you know, this whole redistribute the wealth and allowing illegal immigrants into our country and accepting people, you know, regardless of their sexuality. And it's really a misunderstanding of God's love. It's a misunderstanding of grace. And ultimately, that was just the perfect soil to plant this kind of progressive credo. And again, we're talking with Pastor Lucas Miles and his new book, The Christian Left, How the Liberal Thought 
how liberal thought has hijacked the church. Uh, when I analyze Christendom, Lucas, one of the things that I like to do, much to the chagrin of my, my Christian friends, is I like to address the elephant in the room in that there's a lot of these hardline churches who I think have driven people away from Christ. They've driven people away from Christianity by being, I'll just say it, mean and aggressively so. Um, and where it comes off like uh, our beliefs, even though they might actually be quoting scripture right, but they just come off almost militant and it kind of drives people away. Has that also been a factor in allowing these these comfy, cozy, Marxist, everything is is wonderful uh, churches to be able to go ahead and, and recruit more people? You know, it's interesting you say that. My last book that I did called Good God, I was actually accused throughout the promotion of that of being a progressive Christian. Now, anybody who knows me know that's a, that's a false accusation. Yes, it's, it's not true. To, you, know, really, <laughs> you know, show that. But I was just teaching very strongly on the love of God. And so they assume that because you're teaching on the love of God, you must be, a, you know, some sort of progressive Christian. I believe that we need to protect the church from radicalism on the left and the right. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about in this book is a cycle that I call worry, anger, apathy. And this is where a lot of Christians on the right that do, you know, and, and oftentimes their doctrine is good. They believe in, in you know, um, a, a moral ethic that's presented by Scripture. They believe in the lordship of Jesus. They believe in forgiveness of sins and repentance and these things. They care about people. And so what happens is they get worried. And they get worried. They're afraid people are going to, you know, go to hell in gasoline underwear, and they got to do something about it, you know. And so they start trying to reach out, and, and oftentimes they fall into, you know, manipulation and, and guilting somebody, trying to get them, you know, quote-unquote, saved. And what happens is when that doesn't work, which manipulation rarely does, they get mad. And they go into this phase of anger, and then we have insult culture, and we have mean wars, and we have, you know, angry church signs that you drive by that are just so unloving, you know, towards people. And instead of really offering grace and, and, and you know, truth the way that Jesus did, they're just offering kind of this angry gospel that comes out. When that doesn't work, what happens is they eventually shift into the, the, the third phase, which I believe is the most dangerous, and that is apathy. And this is where we see a lot of Christians today. They just reach a place where they're going, oh, they'll never change. You know, world's just going to hell in a handbasket. What can you do about it? And so they just sit back and they do nothing. They stepped out of politics. They stepped out of really, you know, any sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, opportunities to reach, you know, urban communities or reach, you know, those that, that need, you know, some maybe extra assistance or support. And so they just stopped and they stopped volunteering and they just kind of are warm in the pews until somebody they love falls into some sort of progressive trap or alternative lifestyle, and they start the cycle all over again with worry, anger, and eventually apathy. And so, you know, we need to be aware of that, and that's one of the things I wanted to do with this book was create a roadmap for people that really love the Lord, that believe in the Bible, that are, you know, patriots that love this country, to be able to give them a way back to a historic biblical Christianity that's based upon Scripture, but that also, you know, really is able to, you know, um, uh, bring life and freedom in the modern, you know, uh, era that we live in. Hey, Lucas, how can people get this book, man? Absolutely. So it's available for pre-order right now. It releases early this spring. You can get it, You can go ahead and order it right now on Amazon. It'll ship right to your house as soon as it hits the warehouse. Um, it's, it's hit number one in uh, three different bestseller categories already on Amazon just during the pre-order phase. Uh, and so definitely hit it up there. You can also, if you're anti-Amazon, you can grab it on ChristianBooks.com. Uh, you can also get it at BarnesandNoble.com, or you can head over to my website at LucasMiles.org and uh, grab a copy there as well. Lucas, it's always good to talk to you, but you know, you don't have to have your publicist reach out to me to make an interview. You can just call me. 
<laughs> it's, you can you can do that. That's okay. Appropriate there, Casey. All right, you Lucas. Great talking time. to you again, man. Good luck with the book. Sounds great. All right, take care. All right, All right take care. We got more coming up. News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right, FanDuel. Look, here's the thing. You want to watch sports. Sports are cool. That's great. But you might as well make it even more exciting. And that's where FanDuel, America's number one sports book, comes in. Love betting on FanDuel. You know me, especially when the UFC is, is fighting. But if you're a gamer out there, you know you actually bet on League of Legends. You bet on the NBA, college basketball, football, all of that, hockey, golf, tennis, you name it. It's all there on FanDuel. So whatever your sport is or your events are, FanDuel's got you covered. And they have a ton of great options. They even have live betting. This is, for me, I really enjoy live betting because I like matchups. And if I know that somebody has a really good matchup in a game, then I can go ahead and make my bets and do same game parlay around that player in that game. And a very small bet can actually have a very large payout. So it doesn't cost me much in risk, but I have a lot of potential for reward. Go to FanDuel and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And again, use my promo code Casey at sign up so they know that I sent you. FanDuel is giving you an opportunity to place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 right now. So all you do is you download FanDuel, you sign up with promo code Casey, and if you win, you get to keep that bet. If you lose, they'll refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit for your first bets risk-free. Again, if you've never tried FanDuel, this is the time to do it. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code Casey. 21 and over and present in Indiana. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. That reminds me, i got to put together all of my all my UFC stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a good one, too. Uh, all right, so I want to uh, address a couple of things here. So Ron DeSantis and Christy Nome, okay, governors, they, they go to CPAC, they give their speech. Then Texas says, all right, we're reopening everything. We're, we're done with this. And then Mississippi did it. Then Connecticut did it. And now travel restrictions for most U.S. military bases have been lifted. So military bases are starting to open up as well that's in military.com so definitely check that out uh also i forgot to do something yesterday i apologize i actually teased it and i forgot to do it uh right side broadcasting got suspended from youtube and i think that i think it's like a two-week suspension is what it ended up being so they can't be on on youtube for two weeks and the reason that they got suspended is they carried president trump's cpac speech i know what he spoke for what two hours so they carried the c-spec the c-spec c-pac speech and because right side broadcasting which always carries his speeches because they did that they got suspended from youtube but as bad as that is considering there was nothing worth suspending over that speech anyway but considering as bad as that is here's what happened next youtube went through and took down all of the posts, all of the videos, everything that they could find, people are still re-uploading, 
but they're taking them all down that had Trump's CPAC speech. They're taking them all down off of the platform, even the clips. I'm so glad that I custom did that montage. I cut that montage together myself that I played for you on Monday. And I'm glad that I did that because they're just doing everything they can to take it off. Obviously, these are being uploaded to other platforms because other platforms are not going to do that. But they are taking down everything. Absolutely everything. And, of course, they're giving you some bogus justification for for why they're doing it. I don't even need to read it, but here's what I'll do. I'll link to the article in townhall.com on the reasoning why they're actually doing it. Uh, And Bronson Stocking is the one who wrote it, and the title of the post is, This is Why YouTube is Banning Videos of Trump's CPAC Speech. So, again, he spoke for about two hours, and everybody is now, you know, again, right-side broadcasting. They got got, uh, suspended as a result of it. Their video had about 4 million views when they got taken down. And then they just started going through, and they, they went after everything. And again, part of the reason, oh, he spoke about election reforms and stuff like that, which means election fraud and yada, yada. So all of those videos that are up there about the 2016 election being stolen and fraud, the the election stealing that is now happening in Iowa by the Democrats trying to overturn the results of an election in which a Republican won. Why? Because the, the election or the voting machine was rigged. They're doing this. They're making the same claim in two different races in New York. Democrats are doing this. Where's the media? I mean, it's it's rhetorical. Okay, where's the media? Right? Where's the calls for this is uh, this is un-American. This is undemocratic. Where's the this is basically a, an insurrection. This is an attempt at a coup. They're making the exact same claim that was made by Trump, his legal team, and others, and yet they're allowing those posts to be put online. Lauren Southern had a really good video on her YouTube channel this week about fact checkers. You should watch it. If you don't know who Lauren Southern is, get acquainted with her ASAP. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you should already know who she is. She is amazing. So she's actually been at the very top of my list for guests for noise since we started doing noise. And then, of course, she retired, but she's back. So Lauren Southern, learn who she is, follow her YouTube channel, Watch her documentaries and pay attention to her journalism. She's great. And she had a really good 10-minute video on fact checkers that you need to watch. It's on her YouTube channel right now. Watch it before she gets banned. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank you for tuning in, and hopefully your week has not been too rough on you. I know that this show has been a bumpy one. Uh, you know, everything that kind of happened with the the local breaking news that we did earlier uh, with Clifton French and then Tim Corbett uh, graciously calling in to corroborate the story just in case people had any doubts of the legitimacy. I know that's a heavy, heavy story for people to deal with, but, you know, this is what happens when you have an actual investigative reporter in town. They dig up this stuff, and it's something that Michiana has not had in the entire time that I have been here, up until, you know, somewhat recently, till Clifton showed up. And, you know, now he's got a project where he's doing this all the time, and you need to support him, realnewsmichiana.com. 
And, of course, watch for that article to drop at realnewsmichiana.com over the weekend. He said uh, tomorrow at 5 p.m., I believe, is when the article will be published. So definitely go subscribe to his website because he can't do this full time unless you guys subscribe. Really is that simple. All right. Mallard Fillmore, one of my favorite comic strips. Mallard Fillmore. I haven't read comic strips in the newspaper in a long, long time, but I used to make it a, uh, a daily habit. He's been canceled. Mallard Fillmore has been dropped by the one of the largest newspaper chains because he defended girls' sports against transgenders. That sounds about right. All right, this is The College Fix, Greg Piper. One of my favorite changes to The College Fix over the years was the addition of a cartoonist, Pat Cross, who illustrates themes in our coverage on a weekly basis. His work is consistently popular with readers, though not with Facebook overlords. That's true. He got fact-checked recently for a cartoon. It was great. Uh, years before we added our own cartoons, however, we started showing up occasionally in the comic strip Mallard Fillmore. Its creator, Bruce Tinsley, even wrote out a hyperlink to a Fix article about a student newspaper columnist who was fired for his hilarious send-up of microaggressions on campus. One of the few well-known comic strips to emphasize conservative themes, Fillmore lasted through the first several years of cancel culture. Now, it's taken a costly hit. The Gannett newspaper chain made the decision at the corporate level to dump Tinsley's work. He told the Washington Times, which still runs his strip, regular readers started telling him in late January that their local papers had stopped running it. King Features, which syndicates the comic, told Tinsley that they were sure it was a response to two cartoons that mocked Biden and his January 20th executive order that orders schools to allow biological males in female sports. It first published on February 19th and alluded to the frequency of transgender women destroying the biologically female competition in female sports. The second, published the very next day, features Biden comparing girls-only sports to segregation. Now, that cartoon says, For too long, segregation sullied women's sports. They were restricted to women. (laughs) I don't care who you are. That's funny. To steal another comedian's line. So Mallard Fillmore has been canceled because it's stuck up for women. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Just so you know, we took the informal poll that we do every Friday, and yes... We will be playing the song on the live stream immediately after this show is over. If you don't know what the song is, it has a lot of expletives in it, but it's darn funny. And we play it every Friday as long as the the informal polling on the live stream says to do it. And we usually have one or two detractors who don't like it, but then everybody else wants it done. So every Friday we play a particular song that has kind of become the anthem of the Horde. So we'll do that on the live stream, trovo.live slash Casey, the host, immediately after the show. Uh, If you have kids around or you're at work, it's probably not a good idea to head over. Uh, But we will do that again immediately at the end of the show today. All right. Almost, almost forgot to do this story. The family of Michael Brown, you know, the guy who didn't say hands up, don't shoot. Michael Brown. And other activists in Ferguson, Missouri, are asking Black Lives Matter, the national organization, for $20 million. 
Michael Brown Sr., father of the teenager who was fatally shot by a police officer in 2014, and Ferguson organizer Tony Russell made the demand after a report that the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation hauled in over $90 million in 2020 alone. Brown said that he's only received $500 from Black Lives Matter, and he wants much more. And here's the thing, okay? He's got a point. Black Lives Matter pretty much exists because of Michael Brown. Why hasn't my family's foundation received any assistance from the movement? Because Black Lives Matter is a scam. Not supposed to say that. The national organization, we have highlighted this for years, keeps money and they don't give it to local chapters. They don't give the money to the people they promise they're going to give the money to. They don't help in communities that need help. They keep it and they get rich. That's what they do. It's the same thing that the people who organized Occupy did. It's the same thing that people who organized Antifa do. That's what they do. They find willing sheep, lemmings, whatever you want, to go out and do their dirty work for them, and they get rich off of their efforts. That's what they do. So he's demanding $20 million, and he's not going to get it. And I'm cracking the popcorn, just waiting to see how this all goes down.